Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, Center Set. Anyone excited for church today? Come on. My, my name is Ali, my beautiful wife and I. We started Center Set three years ago with the simple dream. We wanted to create a place listen, where not only Christians could grow in their faith, but unchurched people could, could explore faith. This is a place where you belong before you believe. We don't believe church is a place to be endured. It's a place to be enjoyed. It's not a place where you're going to be beat down. It's a place going to be built up. And, and before we begin, I just want to ask the, our online audience, because we're, we're really now a church, one church in two locations. We, we meet at, online at 10 a.m., and we meet in person at 5 p.m. And really what's happening is we have two different groups of people, two different congregations. And I want to ask our online community, would you be willing to move to 5 p.m.? Not in person, but going live at 5. If you click this link on the bottom of your screen, it's a survey. We want to just, just ask our community of faith. Ask those that call centers at home. If you're, this, is our, this is your church. This is your faith community. I'm feeding you. I'm teaching you. Uh, do you prefer church at 10 a.m.? Or do you prefer church at 5 p.m.? We want to hear from you because really what we'd love to do is have everyone be online or in person or online at the same time, but we're willing to keep it the way it is. And we're going to continue a collection of talks titled Spiritual Gym. It's really, we're going through a book called The uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It talks about the habits of faith, the practices of what do we got to do daily to look more and more like God. I'm going to read you today, today's text. It's in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us our day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I want to preach around this idea, prayer habit. Prayer habit. Uh, if you, you close your eyes and, and bow your head, I, I, I'd love to, uh, to begin with prayer. God, thank you so much, Lord, uh, for what you're doing in this faith community, God. That you, you, Three years in and we're still alive even after COVID. Uh, God, we came not to just study your word, we came to experience your word. And you're a person not to be studied, but a person to be experienced. We want to leave this place, God, looking more like you, talking more like you, speaking more like you. And if you believe that everybody said, amen. I want to begin with a question. Do you actually pray or do you just talk about praying? And Christians are notorious for studying the scriptures, gathering in Bible studies and talking about subjects. And we love to talk about God, but we often fail to talk to God. We even post on social media, God, prayer works. But at the end of the day, we actually don't even pray. And and the theme I want to put in your spirit today that prayer is simple in nature, but it's often not easy in practice. There's a lot of things in life that are simple, but they're not easy to do. Uh, For example, marriage is till death do us part. That is so simple to understand. But listen, to stay married, to stay faithful for 40 years, that is not easy to put that into practice. For richer or for poor, and everybody who's spirit-filled is like, for richer, please, come on. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, Prayer is simple. Prayer is simply talking to God. But often it's it's not easy in practice. And any relationship thrives, rises and falls based on communication. 
And your relationship, not just with your spouse, but with God, is going to rise or fall based on communication. And it's simple, but often we don't do it. Um, Pastor Yaz and I, we've been married for seven years now. We've been dating and for two, so together we've been together for nine years. A quarter of my life I've been with the spicy chili peppers. Crazy how long we've been together. And I just want to remove this stigmatism. We are in counseling. Not because our marriage is broken, not because we're getting divorced, but healthy things get stronger. Good things become even better. Great Good is the enemy of great. And some of you, your marriage is broken. You need to go to counseling. Some of you, your marriage is good and you need to go to counseling. Some of you, listen, your marriage is fantastic and I still believe you need to go to counseling. In the same way that no one is embarrassed when they take their car to the mechanic because they're trying to tune it up. Sometimes your marriage needs a tune up. And often what he gives us is not like how to be a better spouse, how to be a better husband. He gives us tool for communication. He doesn't say, Pastor Alec, come on, you're a pastor. You just talk to your wife. He doesn't say that. You know what he says? He gives me tools. He gives me exercises. He gives me habits, things to do so I can increase my ability to communicate with my spouse. My challenge for you this morning is, did you know that you can grow in your ability to pray? That you can become a better prayer. And I love that, that our faith community is three years old. So we have novice Christians, we have mature Christians, we have righteous Christians, we have ratchet Christians, we have everybody in between. And some of you have been with our church for many seasons and you know that we start the new year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. That we just believe if we tithe our year to God, if we give Him the first 21 days, the rest is blessed. And we also pray for 21 days in September. Why? Because it's the birthday of our church and we want to hear the fresh vision. The, the word that God gave for us in 2021 was the promise. It still stands. And our church may not look very large because of COVID shrunk it, but we don't judge the power of our God by the size of the room. And there are a lot of you in our faith community that you're a novice to prayer. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. Listen, you don't even know why we pray. And prayer is beautiful because prayer is, is one of those things that we got to do daily. Not just on Sundays, every day. And God wants to develop this prayer habit in your life. Because listen, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And what I do daily determines who I'm becoming permanently. And I love this story. Because the disciples, let me read it, says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Which means he was far enough where he was, he was away from them, but he wasn't too far so that they didn't see him. And it says, and when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. That's crazy because the disciples, they were born, they were raised in a culture of prayer. See, Jews were raised to, to say the Shema in the mornings and the evenings. The Lord your God is one. They, they, they literally would grow their sideburns out to remind them to pray every day. And these are Jewish people who pray every day. They, they were raised in a home where their parents prayed every day. They are surrounded by people who pray. And yet when they see Jesus praying, they see something different. That guy actually sounds like he's talking to someone. That guy actually sounds like he has a relationship with God. He's not just saying words. And these men who already, listen, they already knew how to pray. They saw Jesus praying like, dude, we don't know what you're doing, but we want that. Would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, guys, it's so simple. Just talk to God. He gives them habits. I believe this morning that, that I want to teach you ways to get better at prayer, to get stronger at prayer. There's going to be a revelation this morning on how you're going to have a deeper understanding of prayer. We're going to do something different today. I'm going to give you three reasons why we pray, and then I'm going to give you three reasons how we pray. 
Because how many of you know, you don't just want to know the how, you want to know the why. The why precedes the how. If you don't believe me, read Simon Sinek's book. Start with why. That every organization, every business, every time you set a goal for yourself, you don't describe the what. You describe the why. I'm going to give you the three reasons why as Christians we should pray. If you're taking notes, number one, it's this. Prayer expresses trusting God. And often we come to prayer thinking that prayer is me expressing my needs, my desires, the things that I need. But in Matthew chapter 6, it says that God already knows our needs. He already knows our desires, that, that He closes the lilies. How much more will He clothe you? So prayer is not even needed for me to communicate my desires. What is it needed for? Prayer expresses trusting God. And throughout the scriptures again and again, it's this idea that God doesn't want me to live by faith. He wants me to pray by faith. What is faith? Prayer is dependence. Prayer is, faith is trust in God. In the same way, if there was a chair here, I would express my faith in that chair by sitting on it. The way that a Christian expresses their faith in God is through prayer. It's through prayer. Listen, a Christian who doesn't pray is a Christian who doesn't trust. A.W. Tuzzer said this, Trust God in the dark until the light returns. And often what we don't realize is that we, we just came out of shelter in place. We came out of 12, 57 weeks of not being in church in person. And often our faith is weak, our relationship with God is weak, and it feels like we're in a dark place and God is saying, I didn't leave you. I didn't forsake you. I'm still here. Don't forget in the dark what I spoke to you in the light. I remember when I was in college at San Luis Obispo, there was at least three or four times a year, there'd be these rolling blackouts where the power in the entire city would just go out for like five seconds and then come back. And the very first time, I'm like, dude, what? You scream. You, know? you can't breathe without Wi-Fi. And, and then all of a sudden, what you realize is 10 seconds later, the power comes back on. Second or third time, you don't, you don't even blink. What happens is the power would go out and we'd all just pause in the room. And then the TV would come back on and we'd go back to conversation. Some of you need to learn the power of pause. That when you're in a dark place, when fear overwhelms you, when anxiety overcomes you, when you're filled with fear, depression, a doubt, when you're overwhelmed with how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to pay the bills, you need to learn the power of pause. And when you pause, you pray. Because what praying does is it expresses dependence and trust on God. I love that Jesus doesn't get offended. Pfft. Just talk to God, guys. He goes, let me give you a theology. Let me give you the why we pray. You're praying, he says, to Father. Christianity is the only religion in the world that teaches us not to pray to a malevolent, supernatural, powerful God, but to Father. No other religion has that intimate relationship. No other religion wants us to come to God like, like as children. Have you ever been to Israel? You'll see little kids in the street and they're crying, Abba, Abba. That, that's how they say Father. And God wants us to come to Him saying, Abba, like a little child, totally dependent, totally reliant on Him. And in my, my home, I got, I got two girls. I got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. The two-year-old in my home, man, she is like world-class in three things. A three-year-old. She's, she's, she's going to be a, a world changer. Three things. Eating, sleeping, and pooing. Any of those three, she, she will out-eat anyone in the church. She'll out-eat, poo anyone in the church. And she'll out-nap anyone in the church. And every two hours in my home, she goes, Dad, I hungry. I hungry. And I have to have snacks hot dogs and bananas and yogurt ready for her. Listen, she doesn't even need to ask for them. I already have them prepared. 
And my daughter doesn't need to go, hey dad, give me a, a, a computer, I need to put my resume online, I need to go get, get a job so I can pay for food. She's dependent on me. When she says, dad, I hungry, she's trusting me to take care of her. And I know a lot of you at home listening, you don't have a very good relationship with your father. Maybe he was physically present, but he was emotionally absent. And you learn to be self-reliant. And you don't call out on God because you've learned to take care of yourself. God's saying, I'm a good dad. You can call out to me and say, God, Dad, I'm, I'm lonely. Dad, I'm hurting. Dad, I'm depressed. Dad, I, I need help. Dad, I need wisdom. Dad, I need guidance. He wants you to come to him. Some of you, you grew up in a really re- broken home. Your dad was physically and verbally abusive. And so you learned, listen, not just to avoid dad, but to not even talk to dad. Because you didn't want to upset him. You didn't want to ruffle his feathers. And you've learned, I don't talk to God. And God wants you to come to him like a child who trusts his father. Listen, prayer is just faith expressing itself in trust. And I love what Jesus says in Matthew, Luke chapter 11. Read this with me. He says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, if you then who are evil, God's calling us evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Someone say, how much more? Tap that in the window. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God is not saying, gosh, you're so annoying. Why do you keep bothering me? Why do you keep asking? God is the how much more God. You serve, you worship the God of how. He longs to be with you. He longs, he's not annoyed by your prayers. He's not annoyed by your requests. How much more does he long to be with you? I remember this last Easter, my my two-year-old, man, she would watch her older sister on a scooter and she never asked, but she, you could just see in her eyes, she longed to have one of those. And my wife and I, we planned to surprise her. It wasn't her birthday, it wasn't Christmas, but we went on Amazon, we bought a scooter and what we did is we, we hid it from her. So we took her to grandma's house and then we set up the scooter in the middle of the living room so that when we opened the front door, Zoe would walk in and see it. Dude, this girl, she's two. Every time she gets something, she starts da- she's dancing in the living room because she knows that small scooter's for her. Listen, she never asked for it. But how did I know that she wanted it? Because we talk. Because she's my kid. Some of you doubt God loves you and wants the best for you. Some of you fear Man, God, does God know my needs? Does God know my desires? God knows what you need before you even ask. And prayer is not you begging for things, like a vending machine, like, God, please, will you? God longs to give it to you. Prayer is just you expressing your trust. And the, but there are times, listen, <laughs> that my daughter says, I hungry, Dad. And I, I offer her a banana, she says, no. I offer a hard-boiled egg, she says, no. Dad, I want ice cream. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. You're not getting ice cream. She squeaks and screams and stomps her feet. But listen, as much as she hoots and hollers at me, I'm a good dad. And even though the scripture says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, that's about me and you, Jesus, is saying that. I know, even though I'm not a perfect dad, I know that ice cream in the afternoon is not good for my daughter before she takes a nap. In the same way, God knows what you need. And there are so many Christians that get frustrated. You get angry with God. Listen, you and I are not more godly than God. We would never say that, but we get frustrated with God when He doesn't give us what we want, but we don't get frustrated at our children who ask when we say no to them. 
And I had to learn this the hard way. I remember my, my daughter, she, we're at the park once. She's never seen dog poop before, right? And she's like, she thinks it's a stick. She grabs it. I'm like, oh my God, if my wife finds out, I'm dead. Thank God it was dry, so it looked like a stick. And I'm like, get that out of your hand. She's like, Dad. Ah, she stomps her feet. She, she's literally holding crap in her hand and yelling at me, not wanting to let go. And that's what many Christians look like. You're holding crap in your hand and you're yelling at God, I want this boyfriend. God's like, I got a better one for you. You're holding this crap job in your hand and you're not willing to let go. God's like, I got a better job for you. You're holding crap friends in your life that don't back you, won't pray for you, won't encourage you. God's like, I got a better friend for you. And often the reason why we doubt God is because we don't know he's a good dad. And God sent his son Jesus to die for us. How much more? Someone say, how much more? How much more will he give us things that we need? That's the why of prayer. That when you come to God, he's a dad. He's not this malevolent, powerful. He's a father. Same way that I can give my daughter good gifts. God wants to give you good gifts. But how do you do that? Write this down. It's the prayer of adoration. See, prayer expresses trust in God. But how do you do it? It's the prayer of adoration. Jesus, he gives us this insight in this clue of how to do this. He says, Father, and he says, hallowed be thy name. This word hallowed, we, we don't use that term anymore. No one hears it in rap songs. No one puts it on social media. No one says hashtag hallowed. No one does that. Hallowed means holy. It means to be revered. It means to be set apart. And God, it's this tension in that he's both Father and hallowed. He's relational, but he's also trans, uh, omniscient. He's natural, but he's also supernatural. He's close, but he's also big. And God wants us to come to him, praying to him as Father. God, you're my dad. I can cry out to you. God, I'm hungry. You can pray simple prayers, and your Father knows exactly what you need. Not just on Sundays, but every day. But at the same time, he's not just a dad. He's a transcendent dad. He's a, he's a hallowed dad. He's a supernatural dad. So when you feel small, remember your God is big. When you feel weak, remember your God is strong. When you feel poor, remember your God is, is rich. And that's the power of prayer that it expresses trust in God. But how do you do it? You do it through the prayer of adoration, which is this. The prayer of adoration is agreeing with who God is instead of asking what God can do. That's where the power of this comes into power. You're saying, God, you're big. God, you're magnificent. God, I I couldn't have this job without you. God, thank you so much for what you've done in my life. Prayer doesn't just express trust in God. Number two, if you're taking notes, it's prayer deepens fellowship with God. Every relationship rises and falls on communication, which means prayer can't just be a Sunday thing. And it needs to be a daily thing. You need a prayer habit. Someone say prayer habit. Type that in the chat window. I'm not sure if you experienced this, but in COVID, uh, if any, before, isn't it funny the way we describe time? Pre-COVID and then after COVID. Listen, before COVID, if anyone other than my wife FaceTime me, I put them in the serial killer category. Who the heck are you to FaceTime? Like, whoa, like that is so, in, like, so personal, so intimate. If any of my friends, FaceTime me, they would no longer be my friend. Literally now, post-COVID, I FaceTime everyone. Why? Because I haven't seen people in 12 months. I was locked up in my house watching Instagram and Snapchat for, for 16 weeks in a row. I forgot what people look like. So I literally started FaceTiming people. Why? Because communication 
builds community. If I could just challenge some of you in this church, there are 168 hours in the week. The average person sleeps 56 a week. The average person works 56. If you went to public school like me, you know there's 56 left. You have 56 free hours a week. I'm going to say something that I've never said in our church before. If you are only willing to give church one hour a week, I think you should give more, but if you're only to give, willing to give one, give it to groups. Don't even come on Sunday. Why? Because you won't have communication on Sunday. On Sunday, it's me inspiring you, it's me preaching to you, but you don't have communication. And you can't have community without communication. And if that's true of the faith community, listen, that's also true of God. If the only time you pray, write this down, if the only time you pray is when you have a problem, listen, you have a problem. See, some of you don't treat God as a father. You treat God as a pinata. And prayer is the stick where you hit it. And I'll say it another way. Some of you don't come to the king of kings. You come to Burger King and you want it your way. <laughs> and, and, and you don't treat him relationally. You, you treat him as a, as a person behind the desk where I want this and then you, you go away. And you, you only come to him when you're in need, when you have a problem. Listen, if God didn't forget to wake you up this morning, I don't think you should forget to pray this morning. And often the question is, well, I know the why prayer deepens my relationship with God, but Pastor Ali, how? How do I do that? It's the prayer. It's contemplative prayer. Write this down. Contemplative prayer is getting silent with God. See, often we confuse meditative prayer with contemplative prayer. Meditation, I'm going to preach on this in a couple weeks. It, it, we often confuse Eastern meditation with Christian meditation. In Joshua chapter 1, it says, God tells Joshua, meditate on the Word of God day and night and you will be successful. Anyone who want to be successful in life, in their marriage, in their career, in their business, meditate on the Word of God day and night and God promises to make you successful. Eastern meditation is emptying your mind and not thinking of anything. Christian meditation is filling your mind with the Scripture, filling your mind with the promise of God and just thinking about it constantly. Contemplative prayer is different than that. Contemplative prayer, listen, is acknowledging that prayer is a two-way street. And if I'm the only one talking, we're not having a relationship. Contemplative prayer is me sitting with God and being silent. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. There's a knowing, there's an intimacy that doesn't happen when you're babbling. That doesn't happen when you're reading. That doesn't happen when you're worshiping. It only happens when you're silent. The problem. Americans hate silence! You can't even sit in a car without the radio on. You can't even sit in an elevator without their being background music. You can't even be on the phone with Verizon for an hour in Jesus' name without them playing background music. Listen, I'm a pastor. You come to church early, there's background music. Soon as service ends, there's background music. Why? Americans hate silence. You know what's so interesting though is my deepest relationships, we don't even need to talk. Pastor Yaz and I, when she's binging on Handmaid's Tale and This Is Us, I'm just sitting next to her, you know? Her, her silence still communicates love and affection for me. She doesn't need to say anything for me to know that I'm loved. And that's what sometimes we do in relationships with God. Is like, ever go on a first date, you like have a list of questions you want to ask, like, oh, do I do this? Sometimes we bring that mentality to God. Like you need a list of things to do. Sometimes you just sit silent before Him. It's easy in nature, but it's not often, it's hard in practice.
in, in, in the scriptures, it, it says this, a contemplative prayer will leave you with a sense of God. Listen, before you get a sentence with God. See, the power of contemplative prayer is that you put your phone away, you turn the worship music off, you get alone. You can't do this in the car, you can't do this in the shower, and you get still. And sometimes God speaks, and sometimes He doesn't. But it's His presence that you'll feel before a sentence. And that's how the relationship is deepened. My, my daughter, who, who's, who's two, man, she is a character. Uh, every night, almost every night, she's like, Dad, music, I want to dance. She's just one person dance party every night. And, and then what's crazy is when we walk to the park or we're at Santana Row, most human beings that are normal walk. This girl skips everywhere. But then it gets even weirder. We'll be out in public. We'll, we'll be out uh, having Chick-fil-A. And out of nowhere, she'll be like, Rawr! And if you were to see us in public, you'd look like, oh, that's the Ruhis. They're crazy. And you have no idea why I know exactly what my daughter's doing. See, what you don't know is my daughter's favorite movie right now is Monsters, Inc. And her favorite cartoon character is Mike Wazowski. And in Monsters, Inc., this, the theme, this premise of the show is these monsters will scream to generate energy or electricity for their city. And they roar in that movie. And what my, God, my daughter's doing is when she's roaring, she's not being weird. She's mimicking Mike Wazowski. No one in the room knows what she's doing. But because we have this shared experience, I know exactly what she's saying. See, God wants to roar in your presence. And He not, may not even say a word. But because you have the shared experience of being still before Him, you know exactly what He means. And you need that, that unction, the, the sense of His Spirit daily, not just on Sundays. See, prayer is me expressing trust to God. Prayer is me deepening my fellowship with God. And number three, if you're taking notes, is prayer is allows collaboration with God. Allows collaboration. From the very beginning, when God made the, the earth and He made Adam and Eve, if you remember, He made the Garden of Eden small. Why didn't God make the whole earth the Garden of Eden? Because He wanted man to be fruitful and multiply and to expand it. He wanted to partner with us not just walk with us, He wanted to collaborate with us. Which means the point of prayer is not for my will to go to heaven. Write this down, it's the point of prayer is that God's will will get done on earth. It's not up, it's down. And I read this book this last, this last year in COVID, it's the 10 greatest revivals in human history. That all of them were not started by an amazing preacher or, or great worship team. They were all started with average Christians who prayed, who just simply believed that God still listens, that God still wants to use normal average people to do His will on the earth, and they prayed in a way that they actually believed God would do something about it. John Wesley, the great theologian, he says this, it's not on the screen, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. Let me say it another way, history belongs to those who pray. It was the brother of Jesus, James, the apostle, who said this in James chapter 4, verse 2. Read it on your screen. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. Let me put this in your spirit. There's a right way of asking and there's a wrong way of asking. There's a right prayer and a wrong prayer. Right prayer is asking for God's will. Wrong way of asking is asking for your will. 
See, often the, 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 the beauty, the power, the mystery of prayer is not that God doesn't just change human history with prayers, but he changes you. Hey, listen, if, whenever I meet a Christian who isn't changing, what I know is that I've met a Christian who isn't praying. See, if you, a Christian who doesn't pray is a Christian who doesn't trust, but a Christian who isn't changing, listen, is a Christian who isn't praying. Because when you get alone with God, when you spend time with Him and you begin to pray, right praying is to change. In the Old Testament, it was this idea of repentance, changing your direction. In the New Testament, it's, it's being transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is in the business of changing your desires to His desires, your passions to His passions, your thoughts to His thoughts. So when you pray, the longer you spend time with God, the longer you pray, you begin to pray His prayers and not honestly our selfish prayers. Look what John writes in John, 1 John 5, verse starting at 13. I write these things to you who believe in the, the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, someone say His will, He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. See, God wants us to come boldly. God wants to collaborate. But the key is, are you praying out of your selfish ambition or are you praying the will of God? The, the great theologian and preacher, Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon said this, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If you may have everything by asking him in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. God does nothing without praying. Prayer, the history belongs to those who pray. That's the why we pray. We pray because it expresses trust. We pray because it deepens our fellowship and praying because it collaborates. It brings God's will in heaven down on earth. But the question is, well, how do we do that? Jesus gives us a clue in Luke chapter 11. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For, ev for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. When you express your trust in God, you do it through the prayer of adoration. When you want to deepen your fellowship with God, you do it through the contemplative prayer. But how do you collaborate with God? Write this down. It's through the prayer of intercession. Is simply agreeing to what God has already promised you. It's standing in the gap. It's repeating His prayers. Saying, God, you long for people to be saved. It's, God, you long for your will be done on earth, not just in heaven. And, but have you ever noticed when people pray, what do they say at the end of their prayer? They, most people, most Christians say this, and in Jesus' name. And why do we pray that prayer? It's so important that you understand this principle because it's going to help us understand the prayer of intercession. Read with me John chapter 14. Jesus gives us a clue. Whatever you ask in my name, someone will say my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then in John chapter 15, he repeats the same concept. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And this last verse, Ephesians 5 verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to the one, submitting 
to one another out of reverence for Christ. What is Jesus? Is Jesus giving us a formula? Is he giving us a stamp to end all of our prayers? He is not doing that. Let me tell you why. Because there's not one prayer in the entire New Testament where anyone finishes their prayer with, in Jesus' name. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray like that. I pray like that. Every night when we have dinner, my wife will not let us eat until we pray in Jesus' name. But why do we do that? Jesus is telling us something much deeper than a formula, something much deeper than just a a stamp of approval. He wants you to get this concept that you're not praying in your power. You're not praying in your authority. You're praying in the power and authority of Jesus. You're praying in His name. That, 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 That Jesus was the one who died on a cross. He was the one that was righteous than when we weren't. He was the one that died unjustly when we should have died. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Which means when I stand before God and pray, he sees Jesus, not me. So when I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm praying in his righteousness. Prayer expresses my trust in God. I do it through the prayer of adoration. Prayer deepens my fellowship with God. And I do it through contemplative prayer. But prayer also allows man and God to collaborate together, to have His will done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does God do it? Through intercessory prayer. We'd love to pray for you right now. God, thank you so much for what you are doing in this faith community. I believe, God, there are people listening right now and they were challenged to pray differently. They were challenged to have a new prayer habit. Holy Spirit, would you speak to those that can hear the sound of my voice? What's their next step? How do you want them to pray this week differently than they did last week? Allow them to repeat it daily, God. Allow them to repeat it every day because what we do daily determines who we become permanently. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. And some of you, today's the day of your salvation. You came to church exploring, doubting. You need to hear the gospel. The gospel is is good news. And the good news is that you and I fall short of sin. And because God's a father, he loves us. I remember before I became a Christian, there was a movie called Life is Beautiful. And I was struggling with faith. And I saw this movie about this dad who took his son to a concentration camp. And he turned the concentration camp into a game that he convinced his son to hide. If you stay alive every day, we get five points. And if we get a thousand points, we're going to win a tank. At the very end of the movie, the Nazis come into the concentration camp to kill everyone in the bunker. And the dad, not wanting his son to be captured, draws attention to himself. He says, come, I'm over here, I'm over here. Allowing his son to survive but ultimately costing him his own life. And I remember I was 22 years old and I didn't know Jesus. And I said, I want a dad like that, that would die for me. And I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven who wants to give you something more valuable than a tank. He gave you his life. That's the gospel. That God loves us like his children and doesn't want us to perish because of our sin, our rebellion, our mistakes. So he sent his son Jesus to live the sinless, perfect life and die in our place. And he's saying, I don't want you to die. And he takes attention away from us. And on the cross, he died for us. And the way that you receive this is simply by starting a relationship, not by doing anything, 
starting a relationship with God, placing your faith in Him. See, I place my faith in a chair by sitting on it. You receive salvation by placing your faith in Jesus. That's you this morning and you want to start a relationship with Jesus. Just close your eyes and bow your heads and pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you left heaven and died for me. More than a tank, more than a car, more than a spouse, more than any good thing that you can give me, you want to give me your life, which is eternal life. I want to receive it. I believe. In Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you this morning, we'd love to help you on this spiritual journey. Would you just text CS Jesus to the number 97,000 or go to centerset.ch slash connect. Say, I decided to pray to Jesus today. We would love, we would literally we want nothing from you. We want something for you. And before you leave, let me pause and just pray for the offering. One of the goals that we have for our church, listen, is we have right now we have 20 reoccurring givers. We have a goal to get to 30 reoccurring givers by the end of June. Let me tell you why. It helps us intelligently plan for the future and it allows us to step into kingdom opportunities. Right now as a church, we are evaluating three locations to be our new home. One of them, church, is permanent. It's such good news. I, I'm ex I, I don't even want to share it until they say yes. So we need your prayers. But more than that, we need to know who's committed. We know who's really with us. I know some of you give, but can you pray? Consider giving through reoccurring giving. It allows us to plan for the future and to step into kingdom opportunities. Let's pray for the offering. God, thank you so much for the offering. Thank God that in the most unchurched region in the entire country, you are still changing lives, you are still changing people, and you are still using this church called Centerset to bring dead people back to life. God, we want to leave this place with a new prayer habit. Not just talking to you on Sundays, but talking to you every day. God, would you use this offering, our tithes and offerings, to change this valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Have be blessed, church. Love you. Miss you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.